last night, it was a super blue moon here. There too. It was one here as well. Yeah. I guess that's how the moon works out. <laughs> I don't. So my Wait, brain sometimes no. is like, you have a moon there. No, but like same hemisphere. So. Oh yeah, it yeah that's what it is. Yeah yeah yeah. Because um, it's a different time of day. It's confusing. Anyway, I know. I know. On. It's like hey, you can't. <laughs> what, your moon's out already. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we had a super blue moon, and I swear it was making the dogs insane. really they were nuts we were walking them so like there's a grocery store like a block away and we're like okay well let's let's just walk up there and like obviously cricket is always a little bit uh insane on a walk like he'll you know doesn't if another dog is around he freaks out but like Mm. they were both just like frantic and (laughs) they really they had to run wherever we were going and we're like where do you think we're going this is just a normal walk it's that inner wolf. I swear. They and I, we were like, what is going on? And we saw the moon and we we're like, it's gotta be. They're yeah. they're being little lunatics. Like a hundred percent. I don't know. And then like the same the night before when the moon was really big, the cat was being crazy. And I just think there's something going on with this giant moon and the pets. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but Well, do you know what it also might be? Hmm. It was a, a super blue moon in Pisces. Mm-hmm. And isn't isn't Crumb a little Pisces? He is. So it could also be like the moon speaking to him That's specifically so and Cricket following his lead as always. <laughs> I'm just like, I think no matter what, even if you're like, you know, it's all, if you, you don't have to b- believe in astrology or anything to like recognize that like the moon has a huge effect on us. Like if it can yeah. control the tides, the massive oceans, it's doing something to us. Right, completely. Why do why do people think they're bigger than the ocean? We're not bigger and badder than the sea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah, of course it can make you like a little impulsive. I, mm. Why wouldn't it? Hundred percent. You know. And I was just like, yeah, there's just something going on. So that's that's really the news here. Um, I'll because it's still going to be like full tonight. So we'll see if it happens again. And yeah. Let me know. Yeah, what it all means. We'll check back. <laughs> the animals are crazy. They, my update is that like, my are animals crazy. are crazy because the moon is full. <laughs> um, is there anything going on my end? Um, Percy is just... So she... She's a real clean freak and she always has been. And I love that about her. Like, I really appreciate it. Um, other than when she's, like, spitefully peeing in places. Mm-hmm. But that's so intentional, you know? Um... But the thing that she does now is before she's about to do... So, first of all, she can never do a poo if we're out the house. She doesn't like the poo just being sat in her litter tray. She, she It has to be scooped immediately. Yeah. So when she's going to do a poo, first she comes into the room that I'm in and meows at me for a bit. <laughs> as if she's saying, I'm just I'm letting you know that this is about to happen. Then she goes, she kind of paces in the hallway next to her litter tray. Then she meows again just before she's about to go in. Then she goes in, does her business, comes out, and then meows at me until I scoop. And it's like, it's just so funny now because I I recognize I recognize the exact like tone and pitch yeah. of that of that pre-poo meow. <laughs> and I'm like, I just it it's annoying, but I appreciate it so much because it means that we we have that routine down. Yeah. That that poop is scooped so immediately. That's so funny. It's so funny. So she gives me a little, like a little toilet alert before she's going to go. It's great. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, just so you're ready, prepare the scooper. 
I'm going in now. And then she comes out. I did it. Mom, go ahead please and take that. care of this. It smells bad. It's, it's literally. It's, and it is that she doesn't like the smell. I'm convinced. She's like, it smells. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to disconnect the part of me that that came from me. I don't like yeah. thinking about it. I am a clean little lady. Please pick that up. That's honestly, she's such a princess. That's exactly what it is. Like the fact that she has two litter trays at all. That is... is Incredible. And it's and anybody that comes is always like, oh, do you have two cats? And I'm like, <laughs> no, she just has to poop in one and pee in the other. And they're like, that is insane. <laughs> but it's good that you figured that out. I think a mm, lot of people no, would just be like, I don't know. She like, she's got weird accidents all the time. And you were like, no, no, I see what she needs. So yeah. Well, it was just the advice online was to like try getting a second litter tray yeah. and it worked. So I was like, right, cool. She's a princess. <laughs> You know, she she is my child. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have such a good guest today. Oh, we have such a good guest today. I this this was a really exciting one. This is a big one. I, this was one that this I was is... look. I didn't say anything before. I was a little bit nervous for that interview. I was as well. <laughs> I was as well because like she's so accomplished. I know. And has met everybody and spoken to everybody and has done such incredible work at such a young age. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about Myros Craig, aka Burger UK. Uh, she's an ornithologist. She's a bird ringer. She's an environmental activist. She has a doctorate, <laughs> <laughs> which she got. She got an honorary doctorate at seventeen. Yes. She's now like twenty-one or twenty-two or something. <laughs> wild yeah. she's seen like half the world's birds has been to the arctic with greenpeace um her book got a quote from margaret atwood she's just like yeah yeah insanely inspiring yes yeah you know? um and i hope that everybody uh does some bird watching today in honor of bird mm. girl yeah it would be great if everyone like in the discord or on instagram or could yeah. just like comment a bird that they've seen. Yes. Or a bird that they love. That, like, this is bird engage week. with your Yes. Yeah, we're gonna make this bird week on yeah. comfort creatures. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh yeah, I guess let's let's get in there. So I'm really, really excited about having this guest on. Um, not only because she is like sickeningly accomplished for her age. <laughs> um, but also because uh, the the intersection of um, conservation and like a love of nature and animals and race is something that doesn't really get discussed very much, but it's something that is like keenly felt by me as a black woman who loves animals and the outdoors. Um, and I just feel like our guest today has done such an excellent job of shedding light on why that relationship is so important. So, Maya Rose Craig, aka Bird Girl, Woo! welcome to the pod. Hi. Hello. This is so thrilled to have you. Yeah. yeah, this is so exciting. Um, can we talk about your sickening accomplishments first, please? Because <laughs> um, you're technically Dr. Maya Rose Craig, aren't you? Te very technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, you're, it's it's closer to being a doctor than Alexis or I. I was just going to so. say, I'm not Dr. Alexis in any way. No. Not even technically. No. <laughs> so how how did that happen? Can you tell us about that, please? Um, To this day, genuinely unsure because it was so like, <laughs> unexpected in that um, 
this is when I was like 17 as well. And I got an email from the University of Bristol being like, can we give you an honorary doctorate? And I didn't know what an honorary doctorate was. And my parents thought it was a scam of some kind. (laughs) Um, And everyone was just really confused. And it was only after like a few emails, it was like, oh my God, A, I figured out what it was and (laughs) it was insane. And B, like, I know it it was just very, very real. And it was literally about a month before COVID. I had the whole ceremony. I had the robes. I had incredible not the hat, a hat, which is worse than the hat, actually. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and it was incredible. And I think looking back, it was it was a real turning point for me because basically the reason they gave me this honorary doctorate, which they, they hand these things out almost as an award, like to acknowledge someone doing something they like, but normally they're given to like, famous people um <laughs> and it was basically for my charity black to nature um that I'd been running it was mainly Bristol based at that point in time and um they just they wanted to acknowledge the work that I was doing in terms of like working with uh ethnic minority kids taking them out and engaging them with nature and environmental issues and that was the way that they decided to do it and now I'm at least in theory a doctor um, which is wild because to to be a doctor before you've even done a bachelor's or before you've even it's like it's just the most it's just such a flex like I I cannot stress enough what a flex that is also it was at the um doctorate ceremony and they got me to give a speech (laughs) and so I was like 17 years old giving the speech and there were all these people who'd been working that for a decade sometimes who were all like double my age and I was just like this is so cool but so ridiculous yeah I incredible I also like the idea of, of someone being like is there a doctor on the plane and you have to be like technically <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk a bit about black to nature because what you've done is is just so cool so like how did that start yeah tell us tell us about it yeah so I guess To give context, I am half Bangladeshi, um, but I'm also very, uh, very into birds and nature and the outdoors, but especially birds. Um, (laughs) I spent a lot of my childhood like bird watching and kind of roaming around in the countryside and all of this kind of stuff. And I think very long story short, as I got older, I started to realise that literally everyone else was white apart from my family and it was kind of a dual thing where like I'd been going I was going out into these green spaces and no one ever looked like me and as I got older that fact became maybe more uncomfortable as well because there Mm. were barely any women let alone like women of color you know um and then like on the flip side of things I had like my Asian family um who lived in the city going like why are you into like animals and birds that's like a white people thing and that was the thing oh my they God. always this is so relatable and I was like <laughs> and as a kid that was so weird to me because I was like I like nature like how is that racial at all um but it kind of drilled into me that like on the flip side of things there were like these people who just like perceived themselves as not being into animals or the outdoors or anything at all and mm-hmm. it basically like came to a head when I was about 13 um I started running nature camps for teenagers and specifically um ethnic minority teenagers um and the way it worked was basically my nearby city was Bristol 
So going into Bristol, going into these communities that we already knew because like my family had links in the city and just being like, this is a really good experience for your kids. We're going to go on a weekend and take them outside. And um, at the time... At 13, at 13, <laughs> just to have that like social awareness for Ultra to be so enterprising is just incredible. But my I, God, okay. I was yeah. just like, like trying to pierce my own lip. Like there was no... <laughs> <laughs> Like, to be fair, though, like, it's so weird looking back on my teens in general, because like, I was doing stuff like that. And at the time, it felt so sensible. And I look back now, and I'm like, that as a child. But also, I was <laughs> stupid, like teenage stuff, like simultaneously, basically. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, How can be doing both of those at the same time? Um, but it was like, and and with this original camp, it was basically I organized a weekend of activities that I would want to do. And then collect a bunch of kids and force them to do it as well um, so great and, and like beforehand because I already had like a bit of a pro- platform online and I had so many people just being like this isn't going to work you know there are just certain types of people who don't engage with nature or the outdoors and I was like but that can't be right because what about me yeah. um and basically long story short it went really well and all of these kids connected and had a really good time and you know all anyway it went really well and it that's kind of what set off the seed for me where I was like no one else is doing this no one else seems to care about these things but I know from my own personal life experiences how important it is to be able to go outside like literally just from like a mental physical well-being angle let alone like all the environmental issues we have going on like you've got to spend time in a green space and so like it kind of transformed into what is now black to nature which does so many different things because like we are taking kids outside engaging them with nature but we're also like um teaching them about the climate crisis and environmental issues and telling them why they should care about these things why it's not like a white middle class issue um we're talking and to it them really about- isn't a white middle class issue yeah. and like that that's the the tragedy of it is that like obviously the discourse gets co-opted by white middle class people but the people that are actually going to feel the effects of climate change first are poor people of color like that's globally it. you know like in like globally 100% in terms of like the global south is like already being terribly terribly affected in terms of climate change but even in the UK like suggesting to people that climate change or environmental issues is also a class issue or a race issue is like that it genuinely shocks people like they've never Mm. thought about it before and the fact that like even now um you know, for example, where I live in the Southwest, we started getting really bad flooding and the people who can't afford to deal with that are the people who can't afford to move away or can't afford to buy a new house or whatever. And it's like that kind of thing. Some people just don't quite put it together. Um, So yeah, we're we're kind of teaching these kids that um, because I think it is kind of a very radicalizing idea. Um, We're quite often the only ones talking to them about like their home lives, about school, telling them that they can actually like go out and do well and succeed as well um which I think is so so important like it's just like it's it's so nice to be able to chat to these kids basically and I think we are a very important resource for them and anyway I've been talking about it too long now but Black Nature's <laughs> no, really no. great. Like, That's, <laughs> it's so great to hear about and just to, to think about like yeah that link between like race and class and nature and how that conversation often doesn't happen and even what you were saying about 
this idea that like a love of animals and the outside is a white person thing is something that like I've really experienced and it's really hard to kind of to, to grapple with why people think and, yeah. and feel that because I suppose it's 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 I don't know if this is your experience but it feels like it's coming from both sides of like people of color feeling alienated in those spaces and therefore being like well it must be a white person thing because I'm not like made to feel welcome there and then the white people in those spaces continuing to perpetuate the idea that the space is only for them you know yeah I mean one of them one of my favorite projects I've ever done is I did a series um interviewing like elders in various communities so basically like first generation immigrants who by this point are like retired um and it was so and basically I was interviewing them about their lives before they immigrated and versus afterwards and like the common thread over and over again was they had like these beautiful childhoods in the countryside mm. running around in the fields swimming in ponds like looking after farm animals like connected to nature and then they immigrated to the UK and obviously there's massive issues to do with accessibility to the countryside in the UK anyway and like they were busy working and looking after their kids and like settling down in a new country and they were living in the city centre and just like didn't even have time to think about going outside because that was never something they'd actively done before and then yeah. within a generation their children and then their children's children think of themselves as like urban people who have no connection to the British countryside and like yeah. it happens so quickly and like I think the realization that like you know black and Asian people aren't urban people we're just people like everyone else and we also really enjoy going outside was like I don't know it just felt really important it's 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 so important and like yeah it, it is just so fascinating because my grandparents certainly lived like very much like they had animals and they spent a lot of time outside in nature and I guess yeah when you emigrate to a new place if you're looking for community and that community tends to be like urbanized for a lot of reasons um that disconnect just it falls away you know um so birds <laughs> talk to us Talk to us about birds. So you were you were bird watching when you were younger. Yeah. How did you fall into that? Because I don't know. I feel like if my parents had suggested to me as a kid that we go bird watching, I'd have been like, no. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, it was it was kind of a few things. In that, for one, it wasn't like suggested to me when I was a kid. I've been doing it literally my whole life. I was nine days old the first time my parents wow. like, that, you get you have to get them young yeah. <laughs> um and so like for me it was more like getting a little bit older maybe starting at school and having the realization that not everyone is like obsessed with birds and it was genuinely like shocking <laughs> so cute and like I know it was just something me and my family did all the time and I think the really nice thing when I got a little bit older was I have a sister who's 12 years older than me and so when I was like just starting school she was a teenager and in my eyes she was so beautiful and cool and interesting and I wanted to be like her in every way um <laughs> and she was also really into birds and bird watching oh, and I think so being cute. able to see her and be like I want to be like her and her also being interested in nature and the outdoors made like a massive difference in terms of me kind of sticking with it as I got a bit mm. older and I to realize that it was seen as a weird hobby <laughs> um, and like 
I don't know, like, my whole family loves it, though, because also even my mum, like, she was a proper city girl until she met my dad, and he basically, like, tricked her or, like, <laughs> her until suddenly she was like, wait, I'm obsessed with this too. Oh. Um, so, like, it's always been a whole family thing, which I think as a kid was really, really nice. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. And so and what is it that... what What is the official... I mean, I know there's, like, ornithology, which yeah. is... So you're an ornithologist, but there's also like, is it a ringer, a, a, a something ringer? Is that the? Like... I I do do bird ringing, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> bird ringing. What is bird ringing? Um, this is getting quite niche now. Um, bird ringing. We love is... niche yeah. on this podcast because yeah. <laughs> I think I got to age like seven, and I was like, I really like birds. I'd quite like to do something with that, and I discovered bird ringing, which is basically like the scientific study of birds. Um, so you're like um, studying birds like through um, putting a unique ring with mm. a unique number on their leg and then with that you put down like their species, age, weight, how fat they are, muscle mass, like all that kind of stuff and you keep track of it and it helps in terms of like studying bird populations and things like that, um, which I'm not like, at seven years old was not the bit that I was interested in. I was interested in the fact that they catch the birds in these very, very delicate nets and you train to extract them. So you are basically handling these wild animals very delicately and you get to hold wild birds in your hand. Awesome. And obviously I was like immediately very, very interested. <laughs> yeah, and of course. And I, yeah, I, I, the youngest you can get your license is 16, which is when I got mine. And I I love it like it, I think just being able to hold like a wild animal like that and like just it's so special yeah. Um, yeah absolutely and know how to hold them safely and all of that is just that's so cool and so in terms of like the UK UK birds I mean I know so little about like birds in the UK um if you were doing a kind of um highlight reel of uk birds for our american <laughs> listeners like what what birds are cool in the uk <laughs> who's trending in the bird community <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> hashtag blue tit <laughs> god i mean the sad thing is i've had so many people come to me and be like i wish that i could travel and see all the birds in the jungle because all the birds we have in the uk are so boring and brown and like it's not true mm. like I I genuinely I personally mm. think they're beautiful and I think if you look closely they are really beautiful but bird watchers do have something they called an LBJ or a little brown job and it describes like a genre of birds in the UK that are all just quite small and nondescript and brown which I personally am actually a big defender of so stuff like wrens and sparrows and tree creepers beautiful if you start looking at them um but yeah, yeah that what's a tree? Um, I'll be looking up a tree creeper. They're basically like teeny tiny birds, brown on the back, white on the front. They have like a curved bill, and they are—they just—they literally creep up and down the side of trees. Um, and they're really cute. I love them. Um, I think beyond that, though, we do have some really cool birds. We have some cool bigger birds actually that people don't realize. These days, we have um cranes. Um, oh, I love cranes. Um, which a beautiful bird called bittern is really really cool really hard to see most people have never seen one um make this amazing like booming sound across reed beds um we have like birds like puffins which are like obviously adorable 
Um, like when you start looking, we have some really amazing stuff. I think maybe people just don't look hard enough. Used to them because when I I was in the UK last year, and mm-hmm. my partner and I both were like, the birds here are cool, and we have great birds here too. <laughs> but like, there's such a noticeable difference between the types of birds that like you're like, whoa, yeah, like especially like we don't have we have a lot of ravens here, but we don't have magpies like you do. And like magpies are so beautiful and they're just everywhere. But we were, we were obsessed. (laughs) Lots of people are still really superstitious about magpies. Actually, it's one of the few things, like even if you meet someone who isn't into all that stuff, they'll still, most people I know still do like the counting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One for sorrow, two for joy. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, or if you, I, if I ever pass a magpie on their own, I always say, hello, Mr. Magpie, magpie. how's your partner? Yeah, always. <laughs> Love Just because, like, I don't want to risk it, okay? <laughs> Just in case. Just, Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And do you have a favourite? I'm sure people ask you this all the time. Oh, they do, but it changes all the time as well. Um, so I've been saying, like, during COVID years, my favourite bird in the UK was a wren. Because I was like defending their brown feathers, but also there was a bird in my garden and it was really cute and I'd watch it all the time. Um, these days, I really love um, gold crests and fire crests. Um, fire crests are the smallest birds in the UK, they weigh the same as a 20p coin, I think. Um, they're tiny and they're adorable and they have this like bright orange crest. So um, oh my god, they're so cute! <laughs> Like they're genuinely, precious. they are. They're like the epitome of like a tiny, fluffy bird, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think at the moment, like, I want to try and see one again because it's been a while. Because they are great. Um, so cute. I recently got more into bird watching, and I also have been using that Merlin Bird ID app. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I, if if anyone is like trying to get into it, it is. It's called Merlin Bird ID, and you can record the bird if you can hear it. You can record it and it like has a huge database based on your location of like possible birds it could be and it can help you identify it or you can do photo ID and then you can save it to your little like life list and it feels like collecting Pokemon in real life (laughs) and it's so fun. That's so cool. Yeah, this morning I was like looking for, I was like, I wonder if there's anything new, but it's the same today. I saw the Eurasian dove, which is always out here. The, nice. I saw a hummingbird, and then that's the one for me that I'm obsessed with, and I still haven't seen. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. The one around here, I think, is an Allen's hummingbird, and I saw what is the, oh, just the we have a bunch of little brown sparrows. Yeah, now. of course, cute. Yeah, and so what is and if you're selling bird watching to people, like what's the appeal? I think it's a few different things in that, like, to a lot of people, I genuinely say like you don't need to be a nature expert to go bird watching and to be honest you don't even need to know what you're looking at or listening to um unless you want to in mm. that like I think for me one of the best things about bird watching is almost the kind of um mindfulness quality to it where it's like for, for me it's so nice to even occasionally leave my phone at home but to go for a walk and to like just be but kind of not to be in your head because you have to be very aware of what's around you and just like keeping an eye on what stuff is like flying around 
and you're just like not thinking about your life for like five seconds and I genuinely think it's so good for you and so like I don't know I I really advise it and I think birds are such a nice if you're not like necessarily super into nature either I think birds are a great place to start because they're so um present in our everyday lives um in the you know middle of nowhere middle of the city there will be something flying around and I I think that that's so lovely okay we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more from my rose gray i'm jesse thorne bullseye is celebrating 50 years of hip-hop by bringing you an entire month of brand new interviews with rappers that means jeezy i put my pain in the music Angie Stone. You know, hip hops. We called them hops back then. Master P. Music is what's going to open the doors for us, but whatever we come up with after this, it's going to be bigger. Plus, Chica, Saba, even the greatest of them all, Rakim. That's this September. Open up that podcast app, type in Bullseye, and hit subscribe. You're not going to want to miss any of this. Somewhere. In an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter. And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are Jet Pacula, Airport Marriott, Thruple, Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, and Allah in the Family. In our stupid universe, you can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them on Dead Pilot Society. The podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org. Is there anything that you've learned about birds in terms of like, I don't know, being like heralds of climate change? Or being indicators of of things changing in our environment around us. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, anyone who's into birds or bird watching could tell you that, that there are definitely, unfortunately, um, sound uh, signs already in the um, in in a few different ways as well, which is unfortunate. Like a really obvious one is to do with migration. Um, I can already see birds like swallows which you know are migrating to Africa and back every year getting confused because they quite often use the temperature to know when it's time to go um and for context they should be leaving like now um and last year I saw a couple of swallows still here in November because it just wasn't very cold, cold yeah. and on the flip side of things birds arriving um at the wrong time as well um Another example is to do with like breeding season. So birds have kind of evolved to lay their eggs so that they hatch in, in, at the same time as all the caterpillars. So there's loads and loads of food to feed their chicks. Um, and kind of they do That's that. That's cool. I didn't know that. Nature is really smart as well. Because I think That's the so difficult cool. thing with climate change is like everything is so in sync, like down to the minutia. So it means even if something gets knocked out by like a couple of weeks, like the caterpillars it can like just really mess things up so like in terms of the caterpillars the birds do it by timing caterpillars do it by weather 
they've started hatching just a couple of weeks early and now there isn't really enough food for these chicks um and so there's there's a lot of stuff like that going on where it's like it's tiny things but it will get worse and worse over time unfortunately yeah yeah it's something to be really aware of and um so you've traveled quite a lot haven't you like just with just in general are there have there been any particular like international bird experiences that stand out to you? It's the like, exact thing I was going to say. Were you going to ask, like, what's your favorite foreign bird? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really lucky. I've had some really crazy experiences with birds over the years, especially because like when I was a kid, I used to really love the kind of scary birds that could kill you. Um, what, like, so what, I- like, what's a scary bird that could kill you? Um, for years, my favourite bird in the world was the southern cassowary, which you get in Queensland in Australia. And it was um, basically, it's about six feet tall. It looks like a dinosaur. Oh, um, my God. It has this massive <laughs> on top of its head. It's kind of the shape of an ostrich. Yeah. And it has these ginormous claws that it has been known to like kick and slash people up. Um, so cool. Um, <laughs> So cool, yeah. my favorite bird for years. What's, um, what's that other dinosaur bird? <laughs> it's got the really huge beak. Shoebill. Yes. Another one of my favorites. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That Those beaks look really cool. deadly. Yeah, that one's only five feet tall. So I could at least <laughs> slightly. Only um, five feet tall. Exactly. Compared to the six feet, which is just a terrifying height for a bird. It really is. Um, it really is. Like, yeah. But no, the shoebill, like... They just have a kind of evil look in their eye, but that's that's so cool. That's so cool. And where did you, did you, like, where did you see them? Were you just on a holiday or? Yeah, I mean. Just chilled and saw it. So on holiday, we are always looking for birds. Um, Amazing. The point that I've been to some countries and literally not done, like, not been to, like, the monuments that everyone goes to. Um, Like. I have been to Brazil and I've never been to like the statue or Rio in general because we're in the jungle the whole time. Yeah, um, of course you are. Like, <laughs> exactly. And to be fair, it's kind of the way we like it. Like I've seen so much cool stuff over the years. Like I feel really lucky basically yeah. like because it was just an incredible way to live as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I just, it just sounds like it's something that's, yeah, I think everyone would benefit more from being having more of a relationship with like the natural world and the animals do you have a obviously we talked about possible favorite birds but like do you have a least favorite bird do you do you have a bird that is (laughs) is on your naughty list that you've been like this i love all birds but you're you're being a brat yeah um good question (laughs) i feel like it probably is like some stuff gets really annoying after a while uh oh god i've been places where like they have imitating birds so like like they don't copy people but they'll copy the calls of other birds so like you'll hear them and you'll be like oh my god it's that really rare bird species i'm gonna go and find and you're like you'll start going off into the jungle and it'll be like no it's this common bird i've seen like a hundred times already like every single time it's awful and you fall for it because like you cannot tell the difference yeah oh god probably just stuff like that yeah. like even the real stuff I always try and take a moment and be like oh if you were rare I'd be really excited to see you <laughs> <laughs> why I yeah, wonder the... why like evolutionary like they mimic birds like that like what's the point 
genuinely have no idea. Um, the best one at mimicry gets the most. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, a an yeah, impression it's... contest. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like nature's joke, doesn't it? Like, like they're just sort of taking the mic. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, it's a game. That's so funny. I mean, I'm desperately trying to find a love of pigeons, like, desperately, because um, cause I really, really don't like pigeons. Oh. I, I know. I'm so sorry. I've been trying. I'm a, listen, every, everyone has been trying. I'm a Londoner. It's really hard to like pigeons when you're a Londoner. I do try. Oh, that's so um, sweet, though. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I think by I the end of love like them. the end of this show, when we're done with this podcast, my goal is for like Ella to somehow end up with a pet pigeon, <laughs> like re re rescuing. Yeah, them. I've seen like the TikTok videos of people with pet pigeons though, and they look adorable. Like that's so yeah, they sweet. do. They they can be petted. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they'd be really soft when they don't have like disease. Like I think that that would be really sweet. Yeah, and I, I do think that is my issue. Is I look at them and they do look diseased, <laughs> and so I'm just. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just like really trying to overcome that prejudice because also I know it's not their fault. I know the reason that we have yeah. so many pigeons is because of we like domesticated we domesticated them, them yeah. and then we were like bye we're done now so like i know that that's a human thing so i'm 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 really working on it but yeah. i know, think and something- seagulls as well i don't i'm i i struggle with seagulls because yeah i've gone to brighton and been dive bombed by seagulls Men- <laughs> yeah Men- <laughs> like they are literally gangsters <laughs> like oh they yeah. will like they will gang up on you yeah um sure. but the stupid thing about pigeons is because the ones you get in the city are domesticated, but there are ones, rock doves, that look... Picture a bird that is identical to a city pigeon in every way, but it is technically a different species. And I think one of the stupidest birding expeditions me and my family has done <laughs> is up in, like, the Scottish Highlands, driving quite a long way to a cliff face to go and see some rock doves that essentially just look like pigeons. Um, <laughs> but you knew pigeons. But, but um, you knew that they were rock doves, so that's what made yeah, the difference. Exactly. And it makes all the difference, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but like if someone had replaced those rock doves with pigeons, would you have known? No. no okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm fascinated by the idea of like family birding expeditions, partly because my family are uh are not those kind of people at all much to my disappointment i would have loved to have gone on family birding expeditions um so like what does that look like do you do you do you set out with like a plan of what you're going to see like how how does it work in the uk yeah we have a plan and we get very intense about it um (laughs) and less so now just because we've seen more stuff but when i was a kid we used to do these crazy well, maybe not seen as crazy in the US, but like UK like level of crazy, where it was like literally driving, we're like right on the south of the UK, driving up to the off islands off the top of Scotland and back over a weekend when I was off school and things like that, which is about over 24 hours of driving and like crazy stuff like that. It was to see a crane that had flown in from the US. Um, wow. Like it was a lot of that. And actually that one in particular we went with my sister and her baby as well. And so there were five of us in the car. Anyway, that was insane. But like, um, it gets very intense. But I think the thing is, 
less of an issue when we're in the UK, more when we're like traveling and looking for birds. A friend who's traveled with us once uh, came up with something called the Craig Family Harmony Index. And it was basically that we all have to have seen all of the birds. Because if someone sees something, or no, if two people see something and the other one doesn't, like the harmony index falls out of balance and people are mad. Like the mood is just off and we have to work as hard as we can to get that final person onto it because everyone's going to be mad for the rest of the trip otherwise. That's so cute. Uh, I love that. (laughs) Do you all have little binoculars? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the kids. Big, big binoculars, binoculars, I guess. When I was a kid, my parents bought me specifically like little binoculars as well for me to carry around, which was very oh, cute. That's so cute. Yeah, I feel like if I was going to get into bird watching, which I would really like to do, the way to get my partner into it would be to buy the kit. He loves kit. Yeah. So if I was like, right, here are some really cool binoculars, he'd like go on Reddit and like find all the like what what the best binoculars are and he'd get like really into that so maybe that's what he loves that that's that's gonna be what I'm gonna do I think for sure um a a thing that I read about you is that you've seen over half the world's birds is that true yeah wow that's like so mad how how many like do you have an actual number do you know the number of I, I do. I keep track of exactly how many oh, birds. How many birds have you seen today? I mean, total, but... In you. To this day, well, so basically there's just over... Wait, no, because the math doesn't add up because they've created new bird species. Right. But when I was 17, there were about 10,600 species of birds. And so I had seen about 5,300 and that was half the world's bird species. It's a lot of birds. Wow. Um, 5,300 was... species of yeah. birds is a wild number. Yeah. Um, and these days I have seen about 5,800 species of birds, right. um, wow. which is a, it's, it's a lot of birds. It's a lot um, of birds. Do you feel like, yeah. because in the beginning, I feel like it's easy to start seeing lots of different birds. Do you feel like now you've passed the threshold where, like, to see a new bird, it takes a lot more effort? Like, it requires... Absolutely. Yeah. Like, every time... Like, the more you see, the more you plateau, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe less so around the world, because there are so many left. But in the UK, like, I have plateaued. Yeah. We are, like, occasionally, a bird will get lost and fly over from, like, Asia or the US that I haven't seen before. Apart from that, there's not yeah. tons of people yeah. about. But, um, yeah, because surely at this point, this is the thing, you you have to go on like a cruise like the Arctic <laughs> or something. You've been to the Arctic, haven't you? I, I have, yeah. yeah. I, then I remembered <laughs> seeing that headline, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> you bet. That one was crazy, though, because that was literally Greenpeace sent me an email being like, we're going to the Arctic on a ship in two weeks. Do you want to come with? Um, so like no warning wow. and I was like obviously um, but like no warning and then because of um, COVID quarantines it got bumped up to like we're leaving in like three days and I was like okay wow. great um, wow. <laughs> and it was amazing I spent a month living on a ship um, a Greenpeace ship that was like going around in the Arctic um and th- while like they were doing amazing science stuff on board, um, 
and and like all I had to do was like make their social media videos and stuff as well. Like it was it was amazing. And I saw two new birds. I was just gonna ask what birds. Uh, <laughs> what birds? Yeah, what birds did you see in the Arctic? Uh, a, li- a flock of little orc, which you actually get in the UK. It was like the one bird that at that point I hadn't seen in the UK to the point it was getting a bit embarrassing. Um, but I saw them <laughs> first. And right. also a bird called a Brunex guillemot, um, which is like another type of seabird, um, which is a good Optic name. Um, but that's, that's where I cool. did... The, the, the thing with the little orc actually is that was I did like this massive um, youth strike for climate out on the ice for about mm-hmm. five hours yeah. um, which that was insane actually because that went a bit viral which yeah anyway but um, <laughs> yeah it was huge also, like it was incredible yeah. it, it, it was incredible <laughs> um, I also didn't have my binoculars on me because they were taking pictures of it and it was during like the last I was out there for hours and it was during like the last hour of that that they were like that I was just out there by myself and it was like wait a minute like there there was a flock of little orc flying around so I didn't have my binoculars and all I could do was like sit there and look at them <laughs> um, like amazing and terrible at the same time um, but that, yeah anyway that the arctic trip was insane actually I still can't believe that happened yeah, um, yeah arctic's definitely like a dream I think anyone that's like a nature or animal lover, like the Arctic yeah. feels like a bit of a holy grail, like a bit of a yeah. pilgrimage because it's just so extreme what you can find there. Yeah. Do you have a place Good. that's on your like high on your list of want to go or like especially for birds in particular that, you know, you can. Yeah, lots. Of, uh, yeah, God, all sorts of places. Um, I haven't done very much bird watching in uh, Asia, weirdly, uh, compared to like everywhere else. It's just not where we've ended up. Um, I'd lo- I've never been to India, even though I've been to Bangladesh loads of times. I've never been to India, and they have so many birds. And others, I would love to see a tiger. Um, yeah. And so, like, I think that's probably the one that's like number one on the list right now. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even talk cool. about other animals. I guess you're allowed. You're allowed to like other animals too. <laughs> Just about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> legal, really. yeah. I haven't asked you guys. Do you guys have a favorite bird? You're nodding. Yeah, I hope that's yes. Yeah, I think so yeah. I think Amazing. don't want Alexis. Mine. I'm from Arizona originally, and I love Roadrunners. They are yeah so did fun. You watch the- you're a kid. Yeah, I did, and then just like <laughs> it was one of those things that I didn't realize how special it was until I left and now I'm like mm. I never see there's no road runners around that was so specific to where I was from and mm. they literally are always running on the road like that is when you see them <laughs> <laughs> and they're so they're they're like they're very spunky looking they have such a, a fun look to them um, no, they're birds. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really cool I think like I love hummingbirds, even though I've never seen yeah, any. They're like the, dr- the the dream to see a hummingbird. I can't believe you've never um, seen one. I know. <laughs> I think they must have them somewhere in England, but I'm just not sure where I'd go. Yeah. <laughs> Me, the crazy thing was going to the because hummingbirds are like my favorite type of bird. Like I, I I'm totally in love with them, and they all yeah. have like gorgeous names, like uh, amethyst crowned wood nymph or something yeah. like that um and like going to the u.s and realizing that those were their garden birds yeah was, right like, that was an upsetting experience for me as a child because i was like i love my blue tits and my wrens and my robins why can't we have hummingbirds yeah. like i was so jealous yeah, yeah. I, i'm I, i'm so with you on that i'm so jealous <laughs> 
Um, that being said, I have such a soft spot for a Robin. Like, I just, I love them. There's something about seeing, I really just associate them with like cozy season. Like uh-huh. after the chaos of summer and it starts, it's like kind of getting to this time of year now where the days start to get short, it gets a bit cold and I always get a bit sad. But then I see a Robin and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have some hot chocolate. <laughs> and I'm going to get cozy and watch movies. Like. I really associate yeah. with that. So I do love a Robin. Yeah, sure. They are amazing. But I found out recently why um, English Robins love hanging out with humans in the garden. Um, and it's basically that like back in the day when they lived in forests, they used to follow um, like hogs, boars around in the forest, um, which we don't really have anymore, but they would like dig up the earth with their tusks to like get all the roots and nuts and stuff and the robins would follow along and eat all the worms and to us to them sorry us like doing our gardening and digging up all the soil is like the equivalent of like the pigs in the forest (laughs) which is why they love hanging out with us that's so cute i love little pigs (laughs) i love that oh i don't know if i've ever seen a robin in real life Oh my god! I'm looking oh, at it silly. now, and like, I don't think so. They're really cute. Yeah, they're yeah. really cute. That's really sad. Yeah. Oh, so like the robin to you is like the hummingbird to us. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, no. yeah. We've got only desert birds. Yeah. Exactly. See a lot of hawks, which are cool. I like seeing those. You ever seen a condor? Yeah, once. They're amazing. They're so cool. That's cool. Yeah, they're huge. It's it's crazy mm. to see like seeing big birds in flight is always such a surreal experience yeah. because they're like hard to miss because you're like whoa <laughs> like there's a shadow over the whole place now. <laughs> like the crazy thing to me actually going to the US was how wild it still is, which sounds like a really weird thing to say, but like there's so much space and wilderness left versus like I've. Like, the UK is one of the worst countries in the world in terms of biodiversity, like, quality of biodiversity. Like, we don't really have anything that's completely natural left anymore versus, like, going to these national parks with these massive forests that have been stood there for hundreds or thousands of years. Like, I just never experienced that in that way before. Like, it was genuinely, like, magical. It was, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, it's hard. I'm... Because the United States is horrible for a lot of very obvious reasons that uh, we all know about. <laughs> but it is like going to those, it is like a little bit. You're like, okay, well, not everything here is horrible. Like, it's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah it's you show me a picture once of like, is it like the red, is it redwood trees? Is that the, yeah, one I'm the, thinking of the ones that are like, the ones that are like so tall? And I, I, I totally get. Like I, I look at them and I'm like, nah, see, when people say magic doesn't exist, they're lying. That's a magical forest. Because <laughs> yeah. there is there is no way something can be like that ancient and and big and vast and not have yeah. like secrets that we don't understand. I just I refuse to believe it. Yeah. You know? yeah. I wish we still had stuff. And it's sad actually, because in the UK we only have like very, very small handful of ancient forests left and they never get to that size, obviously. And we're chopping them down. I know. And it's, we have so like everything is fields. We have so little left of what we used to. And it's people are so casual about chopping it down, you know? Like, yeah. It's such a different attitude towards, like, our, oh, we don't really have wilderness, I guess, but our nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting yeah. because I think of it 
I don't know. Like, I don't think of the UK as having that problem, but of course it does. It's because, like, I think it's been like this for such a long time compared to other countries. Like, we did all our deforestation, like, 150 plus years ago. Right. Yeah. And so, like, when we think of the English countryside, it's like, yeah, rolling green fields with, like, sheep on them. Right. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah. That is a field. Um, but, yeah. And I feel like there is such an emphasis, like, it's such an old country in terms of like buildings and things like that and i think in my mind that would also translate to like and forests but it's like i feel like the preservation has mostly been on the human-made things which is very yeah, yeah. well yeah it's like buildings and therefore no forest exactly yeah. <laughs> the buildings are replacing the forests yeah. you know um, it's so weird actually because i mentioned earlier that like access to nature in the uk is kind of a class-based thing and i actually think like the really really historical biodiversity loss and access to green spaces becoming like kind of a middle upper class privilege are so linked and i think both like both of those shifts kind of happened around like victorian industrialized yeah, industrial revenue, yeah. it's like suddenly like it went from being poor to live in the countryside to being poor living in the city and like no one could go into green spaces and so suddenly that became like a rich people activity and the only pe people who could afford to like maintain their lands or whatever were also rich people and it's so linked together and it's just not yeah. something that a lot of people think about I guess I it's know. so it's yeah. so true when you think about all of like particularly in that time period like the 1800s all of those acts of like lands being removed from the commons and yeah. privatized so it it, it, be it became like so much land became private land owned by rich people that you know everyone else couldn't just like walk on you know so yeah. it's it is, is it's really sad is there a right to roam in the u.s no okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no 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 there's a right to, to guns here so absolutely I was, gonna, I was literally gonna say there's a right to shoot trespassers <laughs> no i i, I, I want to explain that to me and i was like what do you mean you can just roam there's no yeah. public footpath no. that's all we got <laughs> yeah that's like yeah. the one thing that it's we still have it is um, the one thing we still have, yeah. Yeah, because it was a big thing, like, a few months ago where it was this court case where it looked like they were going to take away, like, the last bits of our right to roam. And everyone was furious about it. The walkers it. were like, hell yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, raised <laughs> um, No, I, I mean, because we have, like you said, like, national parks and things like that, but, like, you can walk on designated areas, but, like you could not walk through somebody's farm, for instance. I mean, you, you could, but it would be at your own risk, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's it's complicated. It's a shame, though, I think about, like, a lot of the, like, as you were saying about biodiversity, you know, like, there are so many, like, predator animals that we used to have here naturally that we don't anymore, mm. like wolves and things. And I'm just like, oh, that would be cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because... We are starting to do like rewilding in the yeah, UK, which I personally am very excited about. Um, Me too. And we've kind of been working our way up to it. Like it started with like replanting forests and like yeah. planting trees. Everyone was super down with. And then a couple of years ago, oh, the, the I was going to say a couple of years ago, they started introducing beavers. No, beavers started mysteriously appearing in the landscape about 15 years ago. And they've been like illegal citizens for like 15 years. <laughs> 
And then they finally were made legal like during COVID, so a couple of years ago. So now we have That's fever. So funny <laughs> that they just were like yeah, we're gonna cross the border. Really, yeah. Yes. yeah like. And like we're an island, so I I have no idea how people are smuggling beavers into the country and releasing them. Amazing. But um, like the beavers like, are incredible. amazing in terms of blood management and people they're kind of working their way up to going like maybe we should bring lynx back. Um the lynx thing is I've been like. following the lynx thing with yeah. such excitement. Like, oh my god, like cannot exciting. That would be Very- amazing. <laughs> But obviously it's it's, it's contentious because like all of the farmers are like that they'll kill our sheep. And yeah. And I think the one problem, because they already kill all the birds of prey or they're trying to kill all the birds of prey in the UK because they eat that or they, they don't, but they think they hunt the animals. And so it's like perhaps lynx would also not thrive here yet, but we're working on it. Yeah. Um, we're working on it. Let yeah. the lynx eat a sheep. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. We have too many sheep anyway. We have what, so many what sheep. What are you doing? Here's the thing. As an American, what are you doing with all those sheep? <laughs> you know, well, I think... I, or is it I just great? I think it's just grazing. I think it's just I think like... a lot of it genuinely is just grazing and meat, um, yeah. which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, all the animals sheep are like the worst like i have met environmentalists who genuinely down to their bones despise sheep with like <laughs> a deep and it's because they're like terrible for the environment so and terrible bad. for biodiversity because they're like goats like they eat everything like nothing lives um and so like i know some people that are genuinely just like abolish sheep in the uk wow <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> we certainly have more than we need by like a long way yeah like, like a long 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 way <laughs> you know fields and sheep that's the british countryside these days you know where is still lovely i mean i'm i'm slightly biased but like ireland still has bits of it that feel quite old and wild yeah. i would say which is nice I, I agree, it's a much smaller island but like it there are still pockets of like yeah it feeling old and untouched which is really nice. Yeah, I, I agree, which I probably don't know enough about the Irish countryside to agree, but I do, I sort of feel like that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we it's time for our, our big question. It is. It's time for the big question. Yeah. Um, the which question. is, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Which I forgot to ponder because <laughs> we've been chatting. <laughs> um, I'd be a type of bird, okay. obviously, mm-hmm. Um, I think. And then, I don't know, I quite like the idea of being a hummingbird, actually, because they are some of my favourite birds in the world, and they're all just kind of hanging out at the flowers and, like, being beautiful and iridescent (laughs) and kind of buzzing around, and that appeals. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think being a hummingbird would be quite cool. Other than that, I actually really like the idea of being a seabird like i've been thinking about nice. albatross, albatross later so and the good. idea of being like a wandering albatross sounds amazing just like soaring around the seas um observing yeah, i'll stick with that yeah, yeah i think it fits too i feel like you are a person that has chosen you could have been a hummingbird but you've got a real albatross path basically you know like you've done yeah. so much as we've said you're not just grazing sure. by the flowers. You're like actively protecting the flowers. Yeah. And I'll, just like seeing all, seeing all the things, like, you know, watching it all, observing it all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I see that. 
This is like um, a new form of uh, astrology where we're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> You're a hummingbird. You're you're a hummingbird with an like albatross rising. Yeah. <laughs> um, my rose. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's yeah. oh, we're so thrilled to have had you. Um, where should people go to find more more Maya Rose? Um, I'm very easy. I'm Bird Girl UK on all social media. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram and I guess tw- no, not Twitter, no X, no, no, not X, Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, but also, I do have a few books. I have a big book. Sorry, that's a terrible way to describe it. <laughs> no, it's a great way to describe it. It's a big book. I have an adult book. Um, <laughs> it's all about like birds um, and activism and campaigning and also a lot of stuff actually to do with mental health and illness in terms of nature and the outdoors and my family. Um, and I also have two kids books, which is why I said the first thing. Um, <laughs> one is Spite. Um, and it's all about seven different birds migrating all around the world. And that's like a picture book. And one is called We Have a Dream. And that is a collection of 30 young environmentalists of colour and indigenous environmentalists and kind of their story and hopefully to inspire people. Um, but yeah, very, very long, whatever. I have social media and I have three books. <laughs> yeah, but go go and go and buy her books. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll <laughs> thank yourself for that choice. Yes. And thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's just been a really fun chat. Just so we're like fully giving Myros her flowers. Yeah. I'm just going to like read through the list <laughs> of things that she's done. Yeah. <laughs> so she spoke at Billie Eilish's overheated live event. Great. She was shortlisted. She's been shortlisted for so many book awards. It actually will take me too long to, to list them all out. Um, she won Young, Young Conservationist of the Year in 2021. She was featured on Woman of the World 2022. Um, she was interviewed by... She interviewed Dame Jane Goodall, who like... Do you, you know who Dame yes, Jane Goodall yes. is? Yeah, right. Okay, just checking. Like for any animal kid, like... Yeah. It's Dame insane. Jane is insane. Um, she, I mean, she's been interviewed by so many people. Krishnan Guru Murphy, who's an amazing Channel 4 journalist. She was invited to be on a panel by Stella McCartney. She's, as she said, she's published three books. Yeah. Um, went to the Arctic with Greenpeace. Um, just like she spoke at the Bristol Youth Strike with Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, also like, you know, her honorary doctorate, meeting a bunch of MPs. Um, setting up a charity. Um, okay, yeah. well, I <laughs> once got 100% on a paper about Benjamin Franklin, and I... Um, uh, what else? You host Comfort Creatures. I host Alexis. Comfort Creatures. You hosted Can I Pet Your Dog? Yeah, and Ella is working on her second book, and... Um, Which is about, like magic yes yes <laughs> and figured out that her cat needs two litter trays so yeah we're accomplished can, in our own I, way we are like we yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm literally like this could give me an existential crisis yeah like, it will uh it is um, and it's great yeah. because also to the worst part of all really is that she's really really nice and really down to earth and really right. fun 
right like so, I, yeah um Maya if you when you're listening back to this because I was too nervous to say like on on the on the interview but if you're ever in London and want to go for a drink let me know <laughs> <laughs> I would really enjoy that yeah same if you're I love- here for some reason yeah, if you're in LA, you have to message Alexis. And if you're in London, let me know. Yes, um, I love that. Too shy to ask in person, but we will say it on this podcast yeah. for the whole world. Yeah, but that's easier. Because <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just you and me right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah if you, also, if you want like a comparatively geriatric friend, um, let me know. <laughs> you're not geriatric. My bones are falling off any day now. <laughs> Are you starting to get aches a bit? Yeah. Do you? I've started to make like, ugh, when oh, I stand every up. Every time I get do up. You know yeah. I, mean? I don't even know how to get yeah. out without making a sound. How do you do that? I don't, <laughs> I don't think I, I think I would anymore. say I'd be stuck on the ground. If I was laying down and didn't make a sound to get up, I don't think I could get up. <laughs> um, um, If you want more of Maya, as we said, yeah, she's Bird Girl UK everywhere. Go buy her books. Go read them. Yeah. Go watch birds. Yeah. Um. Just get out into nature. As she said, it's just so good for us, you yeah. know? It's 100%. just really good for the soul and the mind. And if you want more, I was going to call us of a different version of Bird Girl, but... Um, <laughs> what well, are we? We're, <laughs> we're cat girl and dog girl. <laughs> we, yeah. yeah. Um, if you uh, follow us on Instagram or at uh, Comfort Creatures and then join us on Discord... Um, tell us some of your accomplishments also so that we all feel better about ourselves on Discord. Um, mm-hmm. And then send us your ready pet goes, especially if you have a bird. We've not gotten a bird yeah. ready pet goes and I'm sick yes, of it. Yes, please. Honestly, it doesn't have to be your bird. It can no. just be like a bird that frequently visits you in the garden or a bird that you once saw that you really liked. Tell yes. us about your bird experience. Yes. Yeah. I almost said like, I know it says ready pet go in the title, but I also just mean like ready literally any animal you feel like talking about go yeah yeah it's just ready pet go because it's a pun guys it's yeah. okay yeah don't don't shy away have from to be a like, pet i did i didn't we didn't take it you know if it was a yeah. flamingo you saw outside that's fine yeah absolutely um anything else i think that's it no i think that's all good all right well i've been alexis b preston i've been ella mcleod Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.